Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and today I'm talking to Helen Wyman because last week Helen and I both were doing television for the Aviva Women's Tour. Helen was doing the kind of um, end, beginning and the end of the programme with Ned Bolting live at the race and I was doing TV commentary of the race inside. So I thought we'd have a little bit of a chat to find out how it went because I have so many questions for Helen. Helen, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good to be back in the south of France. <laughs> oh, so how? tell me, how was it? It was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect and I didn't know how it would be, but it was really enjoyable. And the guys, everybody that worked on the crew were really nice. Ned was amazing. And yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, is this your first TV job that you've done? Yeah, first proper one. I did like, I went into the um, booth thing at the World Championships across just to say hi and like chat for like five minutes but this is the first time I've actually done anything like this before yeah yeah and, and what were you expecting or were you expecting anything I don't know what I was expecting I I didn't know that it was like you're out for a really long period of time but you're not actually doing that much mm. for that period of time but even so I still quite liked uh, being able to be part of the race but not actually have to do the race no <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was really cool and it's really good for uh, people to do once in a while because watching the race, the level of women's uh, road racing in the, the very top level, when you're in that race and you're there, you don't really understand it, you don't really see it, you don't really, you don't really watch it, you're kind of just in it and you're trying to hold on, you know. Yeah. But watching it, watching the sprint finishes and watching the TV coverage afterwards really, really has proved to me that those... No, those top 20, 30 women in the world are legit fast now, like crazy fast. And, and that's really, really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think what was surprising for me was seeing, like just seeing the attacks. You know, you'd, you'd sit there and you'd watch them and sometimes you'd watch them in advance, you know, cause you, cause, cause, because the guys, the crew were really lovely and let me, you know, would show me how they yeah. were actually work, making this, putting the TV together. And it was like, wow, wow, no, the wow. Yeah. <laughs> Like when Mariana was doing those sprints for the intermediate sprints, one or two of them, you're like, okay, she's back. Yeah. We, <laughs> and then we, the sprint finishes with like Lizzie and stuff. It was just like, yeah, it was just crazy fast. It was really impressive. Yeah. So let's talk about your side first. Um, can you describe how your day went? You know, when you say when you get to, when you got to the race. Yeah. So we'd get to the race at like, yeah, eight o'clock, something like that, eight thirty, mm. and then um, we'd record the first bit. So. We'd record what was going to happen in the stage, what kind of thing to look for, that kind of thing. And then, and it's it's really funny, but like, you know, we're pretty much first takers, which was pretty good. Mm. And, but occasionally, like a car would come along or something. And so on the last day, um, we wanted to talk about me and Ned had asked the questions and I'd just answer the questions. And answering questions to me is really easy. <laughs> so Ned's bit was the hard bit. You know, he had to provide the small bit of detail and then answer the questions uh, and then ask the questions, sorry. And like a car rocked up on the last day and so it was in the noise so they had to stop and I'd already done a bit about oh yeah you know it's really exciting to see Molly Weaver and Danny King and Nikki Harris have amazing results um Nikki was like ninth the day before and Danny's mm. top 10 you know and it's exciting to see British riders up there and the four riders in the top 18 and then the, the other riders um like Laura Massey and Alice Barnes Hannah Barnes like right up there as well and I did this great piece and then this car came along and we had to stop and we redid it. And the second time I just talked about Molly. <laughs> and it was like, Ugh. But that 
worked out well for the final stage because the final stage was about Molly. So <laughs> that did work out really well. But and and then so then we'd do that and we'd record it and then um, we'd go from there. But then I did feel bad because I hadn't mentioned Danny or Nikki all week and they were riding really super strong. So um, yeah, so we went we'd record that bit and then Ned would go off and record the the little voiceover rebits. Mm. Um, and then I'd probably normally go with the cameraman and if he needed um, like the background stuff. So um, it's easy because I know who the riders are. So I'd go straight to the team, find the rider, point at them and then say, there you go. That's who you want to take some colour footage of. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hardest thing was on the first day, I'd go, oh, you want that rider? So we'd go to him and they'd be like, like oh, so Emma uh, Pooley. And she was like, oh, Helen, how's it going? Haven't seen you in ages. Like, you're supposed to be acting natural. I'm just going <laughs> to point them out. <laughs> and then we'd go to the next person, like Kirsten Will, and they'd be like, oh, Helen, how's it? It's like, okay, guys, stop this now. Just pretend <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> but that was nice. That was really nice that, you know, those girls were super friendly as well. And, and then on the one day I did a couple of interviews um, as well, which is actually really, really hard. The interviews are really hard to do. And fortunately, they only use what the rider says. They don't use the questions you ask. So um, that's kind of a good thing. And, and Steph said to me, oh, I said, oh, I did a few interviews. And he said, yeah, I saw, I, I saw your uh, funny tan lines on the microphone, holding the microphone. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks, darling. Thanks for that. <laughs> so then, yeah, so you do that. And then um, we would drive, the riders would start, we'd drive to the finish, we'd wait at the finish, follow the race on Twitter, where everyone else does at home, basically. Mm. Um, have lunch, that kind of thing, and then watch the finish, because you're on the right, you're on the side where there weren't any spectators, because you're on the, yeah, yeah in the like VIP, behind the finish line, basically. VIP special entrance. Yeah, and then I'd go off and I would... Um, find a couple of riders and on the first day I found like Molly, Danny, um, Iris Slappendale spoke to me, um, a couple of others and then but everybody collaborated uh, Molly's story so because you all see different things in a peloton you know you you don't always see the same thing and so Molly was fairly accurate and summed up what everyone else had said so every day then I just went and found Molly and just (laughs) asked her how it went. Um, I asked Jessie one day as well. And uh, and Molly was at the front every day, so it was just easy. Um, and then I'd go with Ned. We'd I'd tell him what I'd found out. He'd tell me what what he'd found out. We'd normally have a top ten result, but that was about it. Yeah. And then um, we'd do the finish bit. So we'd do the sum up of how the race went that we hadn't watched. <laughs> so, yeah, it was cool and it was tough because you know you say oh that was you try and be specific about something and the guys are like, well, you can't really say that because um, that's not, you, you don't know they're going to include that in the footage. So, you know, you don't actually, you can't actually prove it happened. And like the crash on the first day, they yeah. didn't show the footage of it, but we talked about it and they had to mention it because it was important for the results. Yeah. And then the results got basically neutralized uh, because of so many riders in the crash. So it was an important thing to talk about, but they didn't show it on TV. So, we kind of had to be careful. And also um, where Christine and Mariana kind of got boxed each other in a bit, we couldn't yeah. really say much about that because we didn't see it and nobody really saw saw what happened. But then when you watch the footage, it's like there was traffic and that wasn't, I wouldn't say it was anyone's fault that that happened. It just, there wasn't much space on the road left. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they caught, because they had that Victoria neutral service car on one side of the road. They had Ali Tetrick on the other side of the road. They had the peloton behind them. Yeah, it was kind of there was no nowhere for them to go really, and I think 
So, but, you know, you have to talk about it because it's obviously an important part of the race because you see after the finish, Mariana's annoyed. But at the same time, you can't really talk about it too much because you don't know what happened. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, we missed, we didn't know that Mariana had crashed on the penultimate stage. Yeah. Like in in the in the in the stu- in well from where we were because we because how it worked for us was you rock up at three o'clock, um they'd get like various bits of footage flown down you know f- uh, couriered down at different yeah, times okay. so they'd do the rollout in your bit and then they do like a, the first part of the race the second part of the race the third part of the race so it's lots and lots of sitting around and you know you're yeah. looking at it on Twitter you're looking at race reports but not all of the race reports come out in time no and then you're. So you're kind of, so we were commentating as if it was live, like we knew what was happening. We didn't have a script, but we didn't exactly know how it had all rolled out. And you have to commentate as if it's live, but without kind of foreshadowing too much. Yeah. (laughs) So, which is hard, but like, because we didn't know that Mariana had been caught in that crash, it meant that when um, Armitstead and Norman and Elisa Longo-Borghini and M.O. Johansson attacked and Mariana Voss didn't follow. We were like, oh, I don't know why Voss has missed that move. (laughs) When it should have been, wow, maybe that crash has really hurt her because that's not a move Voss should miss. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was, yeah. And like the guys tried to help, but they'd say things like, oh, you can't really say that yet. Or, well, we don't want to talk about that until the next day. Or, and you're like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I got got told, well, hang on, you can't say that you know that that's um, Molly Weaver, for example, because you're only saying that because you know the results. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Molly's been on the front all week. There's one rider I can recognise. It's Molly Weaver. Look at her little pointy chin. Yeah. Some people are really recognisable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I could spot, um, I think I could spot like Elisa Longo-Borghini or Emma Johansson. Hugh Porter spotted Emma Johansson in a really bizarre shot, like when it looked like she was wearing all white. And I could tell her by her helmet, you know, that was the way I could tell her and also by her riding style. And then because Voss was in a different jersey every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that confused me sometimes. So that, hold on. Oh no, wait. Oh yeah, that's right. You guys didn't script what you were writing. You just said it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Hugh's, I mean, Hugh scripted a little bit because in, in my side, Hugh was doing the Ned role. So he was doing the role yeah. that was like, you know, doing the introduction and stuff. So he'd script some parts of it, like the yeah. beginning rollout and stuff. But no, we were just, we just, and we were like you, we were trying to bang one take. I mean, when we fluffed, because we would fluff, we'd retake it. When yeah. we made a mis- If we made a mistake, we'd go back and, and retake it. But, but that would only be like, you know, you kind of pull it back from almost in the middle of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's what we tried to do that as well and, and there was only a couple of times where we did we never did more than two but one of them was when I, I couldn't say Ashley Mormon Passio I was like Ashley Power Mormon uh, no God, why did she get married damn it I, I couldn't say I couldn't, <laughs> Ashley Mormon's well easy to say <laughs> I couldn't say Mia, Mia Radosic because oh, um, I've always I've always looked at her as Radotic anyway because that's how it's how, how she's spelt. So Mia, Mia Radotic just had me completely stumped, and yeah, and I but I can say Amelia, uh, sorry, I can say Alina Amilusic in one take, so I felt quite good yeah. at that. But yeah, I mean it's it's a kind of funny thing to do because you want to do it as live, and you yeah. know a little bit about what's happened, what's what's happened. But I mean none of the sprints because of course the Twitter would just go silent in the last three kilometers. Because yeah. there's no race radio updates at that point. It's just, you know, you'll just get the time checks. So was that difficult? Because that was, we were lucky because we had it right in front of us. So we could, you know, it, it's not that hard to call a sprint. <laughs> well, touch wood. Um, but was it difficult for you? The organisation were really good in getting us to top 10 within the time frame before we had to record 
the final bit. Yeah. So we knew that and some days we actually got a full result. Not that you can really have a chance to look at it or take it all in, but um, uh, you know, you know who won. You know what teams were represented near the front. You know um, who were the top three on GC, and um, so yeah, we kind of we kind of had that information to hand, and that you could say things like, you know, it's going to be a really exciting race tomorrow because you know, you know, it's only five seconds between Lizzie and Ashley, so you know that could be really interesting. So stuff like that you could talk about but mm. the point where they attacked on the hilly day you know you, we didn't know who did what yeah and how they got away we just know that they stayed away <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> and then yeah. got caught in the last or was that a different day that was a different day wasn't it uh they, they attacked on the really really hilly day um they there was someone there was a group out ahead of them and they got to that group and they got to the group and that was the that changed everything because yeah, it was the group with spratty and um katie hall yeah, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, so, like, a day like that, you don't know how that occurred. Yeah. And so, you know, you can't say, oh, Marianne got dropped. Because did she? Or did she just not get on that attack? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so. yeah, and, and when you saw it as well, because when you read it on Twitter and it's like, oh, blah, 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 you know, there's an there's an attack out of the chase and it's Ashley Milman Passio, Elisa and Lizzie. And then you look at it and you think on the screen, you think actually that's Ash going, only Elisa following and Lizzie really, really working hard to keep with them. Yeah. Like, like, like that's, it's a completely different scenario. And then... I mean, I wish I'd seen more of the chase because obviously, so they've got, for people who don't know, they have about three camera bikes and they have the helicopter, but they've only got the helicopter for half an hour. So they send it up in like three 10 minute, 10 minute blocks. And, um, and so, yeah. And so, and they don't necessarily, they don't have, they're not allowed to have motorbikes in front of the, um, in front of the riders as they go through the technical finishes and stuff so they've got like a motorbike on the finish line to, to film it you know dead on as they come back hooning around the corner i had two cameramen normally one was like 300 meters to go and one was yeah. like 100 to go yeah and they had the finish boom thing yeah yeah because i think because we didn't we didn't interact with the camera people at all but you were you were kind of hanging out with them they were your crew weren't they yeah, they were amazing guys, so friendly. Everybody, like the motorbike rider guys, the the guys that did the camera work, the uh, Mark, the um, producer, I guess he's called. I don't know what he's called. <laughs> um, and like Catherine, like everyone was really lovely and um, super friendly. And in the evenings, the funniest things that we'd have dinner in the evenings together, and because it would like run into the time when the race was on. Yeah. And so I never actually heard any of your commentary for the first two nights. I had to make them shut up when I was talking so I could listen. And they and they were just like it was like so funny because they were just they were basically just taking the piss out of each other about their filming stuff and then they'd do something and they'd be like really proud of it and they'd be like, Yeah, that was my shot and you know, that's actually really cool, you know, and it's cool that they that they take so much pride in their work and that they really want it to look good and um one day uh, one of them had a the rainy day, the cameras got, the lenses got destroyed and I had to yeah. put like a, a heat room to, to calm down and stuff. And, and they just basically took the piss out of each other about who hadn't cleaned their lens quick enough and stuff like that on the, on the whole of that stage. And so, and then they say, that was my shot. That was my shot. Oh, oh do you remember that? That was my shot. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun. Oh, it's because I, because I didn't get to watch that much of it at the time because of, you know, getting on a tray. Cause I mean, we'd finish at, um, 
so, I mean, the funny thing was they were so, so, they were really perfectionist in the studio. They just want to work and work and work and get it, it as proper as proper. It was really close to finish, to like finish to getting on TV. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, and because they put it on. And the thing I hadn't realised is that they get told by ITV4 how long each segment is going to be like on the day. So it's not like a standard thing. So in one day, it could be nine minutes for the first one, you know, and then it could be a big 20 minute slot and then a really short end one. And in another day, it could be completely different because it's all dependent on the adverts because yeah. people have bought the advert block. So our guys were just amazing because they wouldn't get like that. They'd be sitting around cursing and swearing at, at the couriers about the couriers getting the getting the film down to them. But they'd basically work right, 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 right until the absolute last minute, like maybe less than a minute, um, yeah. just to kind of to kind of get it to kind of get it get it get it on you know to get to get it as good a, to get it as good a product as possible and it's all kind of things like i i hadn't you know when they show up those flash screens with like the the, the finish line the results on it yeah. i hadn't realized that they had to make all of those by hand i don't know what i thought i thought that like it kind of came <laughs> in a graphic from the uh you know from the people who made the from the people who did the results yeah and there's all these things that you don't really that you just i've never considered before like no. On the first day, they, uh, Catherine said that it was the final segment. They got out 45 seconds. They finished uploading it to the server as before it had to go out. Yeah. <laughs> That's tight. But it, was, it was funny because it was tight, 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 tight. And then on the last day, it was done with tons of time in advance. And I think that was just yeah. because it was the last day. <laughs> yeah. But cause, because our guys, they'd, they'd sit there throughout the race watching it on Twitter. And they'd be, you know, they'd be kind of working out what the key moves were and stuff. And then your camera guys would tell them when something interesting, when they thought something yeah. interesting had happened. So they'd look at it and see... And then they'd, so they'd put up like, you know, the four different camera feeds on a screen so they could see them at the same time. And they'd pick out which bits were the best, you know, how to kind of pick the best bits of footage. And the other thing I hadn't realised about, and this is really stupid, is when the camera goes down, say it's going through a, a bit of a, a, up and down a hill and there's trees over the road and not trees over the road. So it's going through these dappled areas. And the camera, the, the film quality is just changing madly automatically because the camera can't keep up with the you know, with the change into shadow and light. Yeah. And so they'd kind of, you know, match that, if you know, match the colour, colour, colour match it a bit and, and use stuff. And it's just so much, so many decisions and so many decisions being made, you know, really, really on the fly. Yeah. And I was so impressed by them. Yeah, it is really impressive. They're good at their jobs. That's for sure. They're really good at their jobs. And like to think that those motorbike guys that are driving the cameraman like have to keep it steady for yeah the entire race and have to like and they're always talking to each other they're telling each other stuff and like oh this is coming up kids on the right or you know you want to take a picture of that that's like a school or oh we're going to go to the front now or bump in the road or that they're like constantly communicating which is cool yeah yeah did you get to see any of the race in the midpoints or were you just at the beginning and the end no just the beginning and the end did you get to see any of the kind of, um, I mean, because I guess you just, I mean, what I missed, and I missed this big time, because, you know, I did the live race tweeting for the first two yeah. years. I missed the race atmosphere so, so much, like, like so much. And I really, really missed the kind of walking around the race village and walking up the start and the finish line and seeing the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So you got to kind of enjoy a bit of that from your side. Yeah, I got to see all the start stuff and the finish stuff, which is always really cool, especially when everyone gets involved locally that's really nice and um i obviously i got to see some of my friends the, the racers um but 
you don't I mean it's a bit weird because you're you're there to do, do the television so you're not really like people don't really socialize that much with bike races I don't know I don't know how the people I did get to spend time with were like um the people that work for Sweet Spot yeah so the people that you never get to spend time with like Jonathan Derling and guys like that they're really really lovely guys and I actually got to hang out with them and, and chat with them because you, you've got time to kill when you're at the stages. So Yeah. And Grace and Peter and Andy, everybody, you know, it was like, it was fun. It was lots of fun. Yeah. If, uh, people, if people don't know, Peter Hodges and Grace Metcalf are the, oh, I don't even know how to describe them. They're the PR media expert, mad people, brilliant people, insane team supreme, aren't they? Yeah, they kind of like, like manage the... the start finish stuff like to make sure the teams are there on time and to make sure they sign the right place along with hannah walker and hannah goes in the, the car at the front to do the tweets and stuff yeah uh, and then pete and grace go to the finish and make sure everybody's in the right place at the finish and know who's who to take where to where they have to you know that that kind of thing um and then the other guys that work on doing different stuff like the, even down to the person that hands out sandwiches you know yeah They're, you know you never get to talk to those guys so that was fun to hang out with them. Uh, I was chatting to um, Hugh, the owner of Sweet Spot, and um, like just people, normal people that you see. I was talking to Tim Harris and uh, Malcolm Elliott and Dean Downing, and you know, just people that you know, but you never really get to spend that much time yeah. with. So, in that respect, that was cool. Um, and it was nice to see to see what happens at the start and finish in a non-pressurized situation, because when you're yeah. by riding totally focused on what you're doing next yeah and all of your focus is on riding that bike making sure you have everything you need to get to the start line and get to the start line on time to start your race and then you race you finish you get ready you go home you know that's that's how your day goes so i think it's always good to see a different side because it makes you appreciate them appreciate everyone a little bit more and some of the guys uh the the tv guys would say like yeah you know some people aren't really interested in being interviewed and and that surprises me because Maybe I just love media attention or something. I don't know. <laughs> attention secret at heart. And probably not really at heart. It's probably quite open. But uh, so it's not like to me, if they came to me and asked for an interview when I was racing, it's like, yeah, this is really cool. Of course. Come on. You know, anyone else want one sort of thing. Mm. Whereas some, they say some riders um, are kind of shy away from that and they feel quite awkward asking them at times. Yeah. And some riders are quite hard to talk to. You know, they're quite maybe like this English isn't their first language or something like that but riders like Mariana always give a really long interview and Ashley was really good actually Ashley Mormon Casio um and but others like there was just a few teams really that kind of were like no we're not really interested in that which yeah. is a bit a bit weird I found that a bit weird and they said that uh in some races it, it's yeah it's worse than others so I think they quite liked having me there at times because it meant that I'd just go talk to whoever was there, you know, like I'd know this one year or I'd know yeah. the, the, a rider or, or something like that and and be able to just be like, oh, you, we want to talk to you, come in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean there, is, there is one, I can think of one team in particular who when I've been to races, I have never seen them consistently before the start, except for on the start line. And after the finish, like they, they park in a different place. They, they, they keep, you know, they, they keep the riders very much, you know, the, the, te- the, the team, the management keep the riders very much, you know, inside, out of the way. 
Right. And and but but yeah, it's a kind of. But I can see why because I can because I can imagine for some people, especially if their race isn't going well. I think that's what's one of the things I really admire about Mariana, is no matter how even if her race is going terribly, she still has time to promote it. Yeah, she does. She does. Mariana is is really really good. She always you know she'd be like, oh, I've got to go to a team meeting now, but I'll be back out. And everybody must want a piece of her. And the same with like Danny and and riders like that everyone and Lizzie and Nikki everyone must want a piece of them so it must be hard who you say yes and no to um but yeah I mean I mean everyone in that race was actually really good to well, from what I saw mm. it's just what the tv guys have said have happened sometimes yeah. yeah so but I guess I mean but I guess that's why they need you because I mean one of the things because you find yourself doing lots of little extra jobs or at least I did so you know my little extra jobs would be ID- IDing riders you know, IDing riders in a bunch, IDing riders in a crash, um, IDing riders in the footage, um, helping out with the spelling. You know what I mean? Like all these little things yeah. that because I'm around and I know how to do it, of course, century people would be able to do it by themselves, but it's just faster to ask me. So I guess I guess that's one of the reasons why that's I mean, that's one of the reasons why they want you, isn't it? It's it's obviously you're a brilliant and you're genius and you're very funny and you're I'm amazing. You're amazing. But it's yeah. also kind of it's a good it's a good thing to have you there as well because of course a rider's going to talk to you because they're going they're going to know that you're you wouldn't ask them to do something you wouldn't do before a race for example no definitely definitely and I think uh as well you it's quick to point people out so like the first day when they wanted specific riders they needed like five riders they wanted some footage of yeah it was super easy for me because I was like well it's that team it's that team it's that team and you just wait for them to come out and then you just right that's the rider and so yeah that you know that's really easy and also I don't, I don't know everybody's result off by heart I don't ever pretend I have but I know where to find them and so you know Ned had asked a question about a certain rider and I'd have CQ ranking up with their results for the entire season before you yeah. finish the question yeah so it's kind of like you know where where to find the information and how to find the information quickly yeah yeah and or if someone says right what are the top five facts about Alison Tetrick or what are the top five facts yeah. about Lizzie Armitstead you just you just know um, and you know what to look for as well, don't you? You know what are the key. Yeah, things. you know where to find the information. Yeah, yeah. So, how much did you, how much research did you do beforehand? And you know, and I guess that's before the race started, and like on each day. Um, I watch women's bike racing. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much where my research is. I I like women's bike racing. The women's world tour is really exciting. Um, so I watch it, and I didn't. You know, every day I look at the result. I'm really into results, looking at results. Even when I'm at stage race, I'll, like, analyse the results. Steph finds it really annoying. And so at the, at, uh, the end of every stage, I take the result home and I just look at it for a bit, look at some things that were interesting, look at different, like, point scores and mm-hmm. different things like that. But in terms of before the race, it was pretty much just my knowledge of, of what I'd seen because we can't be specific. In our sections, we weren't we didn't really need to be specific so it's not like I had to say you know yeah um Mariana Voss is 18 times universe world champion (laughs) in 27 different sports so it's not like I had to do all that I just had to you know you know she's good and so um and the same you know Lizzie's good you know and so it was much more really knowledge from what I know of the riders from racing with them and from watching the races this season. And my call on Ashley in the um, 
for a, a surprise was basically because of her result in the old Albstad, which isn't yeah. Albstad anymore. It's called something else. Oh, a Frau and a Tappenrennen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, so it's much more basically just from, from what I know. But when, she, when you're racing and when you're in those scenarios, I know I didn't race that much last year, but even so, when you're racing in those races, you, you know stuff about the riders, you know, stuff that I, I was quite a smart racer. I'd kind of see what was going on and see who was riding strong and see, see different things. And so you've got your experience of that. Yeah. And what, what opinions you've developed of a rider already. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, so it's kind of, like if you said to me, you know, Nikki Harris, she's only been racing on the road this year, but she joined Dolman's at the beginning of the year. And it's like, yeah, but four years ago, she rode for um, Flexpoint just before they finished. And yeah. she got third in the stage of Sturz Eland. So you can say she's a legit road rider because that's what she did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, or like, or like, although she hasn't, because she's been domestiquing, you know, she was out there in Strade Bianchi. Yeah, she was hard. out there. And, she was, and she's been out there. She's been out there in other races, and so it's like so. You're sitting there, or, or Danny King. You know, Danny King. You might look at her results, but again, she's been an, an amazing domestique, and she was like up there in the top ten in Philadelphia, and was right up there to the end. So it's like it's it's yeah, it's that kind of stuff, isn't it? That you can't. That, that's the other thing is you can't just look on CQ and say no. this is a good rider or this isn't a good rider. But I also know what it's like to race with Danny King. Yeah, I also know I've been on the same team as Nikki, as Lizzie, as Emma Pooley, as these riders. So when someone says, oh, is Danny a smart bike racer? It's like, hell yeah. You know, she's a super smart bike racer. She reads really well. She's great to work for because she tells you exactly what she wants. There's no, you know, there's no messing about, can you please? It's like faster. <laughs> so, and yeah, so I know what kind of bike racer she is. And, and obviously I don't know that about everybody, but you know someone that knows a person and they'll tell you stuff about how yeah. people ride and stuff. So yeah, it was really is really cool and and I think I think part of what I was doing was much more about like not specific facts it was much more about a feeling of a rider yeah 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 and about a feeling about the race as well um I wanted to ask you about your predictions yeah yeah because <laughs> you were predicting at the start <laughs> How... pun my predictions in the first day were terrible <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the first day was quite a surprising race. I wouldn't have been able to predict that. No, I would have, though, because we were driving back in the car with Steph um, because there was a, an airstrike, and so Steph had to drive me, and unfortunately his dad was sick and in hospital, so instead of driving me to Barcelona to fly from Barcelona, he drove me home so he could go see his dad and spend time with his dad. And uh, so it's kind of... We were driving in the car and he's like, you know, here are your predictions. And I said, I reckon Christine Majoress is going to win a stage. And he's like, no, that's probably a good prediction. That's probably a good prediction. And then he goes, well, what about Lizzie and Mariana? I was like, yeah, they'll probably win one too, but I'm pretty sure Majoress will. And Majoress will. And he was like, okay, whatever. And <laughs> we, uh, and then on the first day I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe that's really outra outrageous, you know, to say that. But she'd won a stage, uh, she'd won a, a race in France, and then the second day she got second. So yeah. I knew she was on good form in Plumerac, or whatever it's called. And uh, and then I didn't say it, and that's what I should have said on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> but then it kind of the second day, we no one predicted that either. And then so it kind of like just became a joke that we were incapable of predicting results, really. But yeah, <laughs> and at least you didn't do that thing where you predicted and they all crash. 
Yes, I didn't. And every day I predicted someone, they didn't win. So yeah. then on the last day I said to Anton, Mariana's brother, oh, I'm, I'm going to predict someone else today so that Mariana can win. And she actually did win that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, it's because it's, it's funny because we had the, because when we started it, you almost had to do the beginning as if you didn't know the end at all. You know, well, these are the people I predict. This is how I think the race is going to turn out. And it, and in, and it's quite hard in the middle going, I don't know if this break is going to get away. They're working really hard, but they could get caught right on the finish line. Yeah. And on the one hand, that's, well, that's what's happened in every other, you know, women's tour, the women's tour so far. They, they've had lots and lots and lots of breakaways, but they've tended to get caught in the last 300 metres to two kilometres or whatever. So it's not like, it felt a little bit fake at some points, but, but hopefully it didn't sound a little bit fake. You know what I mean? Because... Yeah. Because it's 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 odd. You don't you don't want to you want to kind of keep the excitement up, but you don't want to make it. But it you must don't... be hard for you to sound excited but know the result. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that was hard was that because we recorded it in chunks, so we didn't necessarily so they weren't even necessarily chronological chunks. I recorded they because the 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 crew would they'd cut a piece and then they'd we'd record it and then they'd do the editing and stuff and then you know and especially they'd they'd want to get the you know the, the important bit is the first bit to go up yeah which is why you know you might still be working on the last bit while the first bit was up um, and and so it was so you didn't really know how it fitted together so one person said to us on twitter hey you know your pacing is just too high you need to have a bit of a gap between bits and it's like well we don't have any control about that you know and because they're because it's such a short amount of time it's an hour-long program but you know let's take out say 15 minutes for adverts and then let's take out the chunks for the beginning and the end for your parts. And then let's take out the little the little splash about a rider that they've done, a little splash, ad, a little interview with us with the celebrity. So you don't actually have that much time to talk about the racing. And they're literally cutting as much as they can to get as much action as possible. Yeah. So it is a bit bang, 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 bang. Like like you wouldn't be doing that if you were doing it live because you'd have some time to kind of chill out a bit in between exciting parts. Yeah. Yeah, and also we didn't get to see the stage finishes, like Norwich. I live near Norwich. I've been to Norwich so many times, and I swear it was going to finish like at the bottom of that hill. <laughs> and then you get there, and it's like, well, this isn't the stage for Kirsten Wilde, and that's who I predicted for the stage. It's like, yeah. she's going to win this. Well, this is the thing about looking at it on the maps. And, and the other thing that we found was because the graphics and the information about the Queen of the Mountains were about the Strava segments rather than about the actual climbs. Do you know what I mean? So the Strava segment might be so many kilometres long, but the actual climb start to finish is a different amount of kilometres long. So we didn't know. And because you don't have any like ticker to tell you where they are, you're just guessing on the kilometres. So we couldn't, you know, when it's live, you can sit there going, oh, they're about 500 metres to the top because you can see this kind of clock, you know, the the, 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 ty- the ticker, the ticker of kilometre ticker ticking down. Whereas yeah. we were just like, you have to guess it because I guess if we'd watched it in advance, we'd have known better. But if we'd have watched it in advance, it would have been less spontaneous. Yeah, definitely. So that was, that was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. That's my new saying. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you do your own? Re- I mean, did you do your own research, or did you have people handing you pieces of paper? And did did Ned do his own research and stuff? Yeah, Ned did his own research, and I genuinely just did it off of knowledge. Because <laughs> yeah, because I, I you, you don't believe me. 
didn't have to be that specific. So no, I no, I, no, 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 I'm just interested because I'd because what I would do is I would be writing my notes on the because I'd generally be going to the studio on the train while the race yeah. was still on, or I'd be walking to the studio from when I was staying in a hotel for two nights, and I'd be like scribbling down notes. And then when I got to, when I got to the studio, I'd write up my notes into just a timeline, and I'd put notes in there like you know at what point how many how many seconds back these people were, and I'd write the notes I know about the riders, and I might look it up on CQ, but you know so and so she's this age, this is what she's done, this is what she's known for, and not all of it, and I wouldn't know whether those bits were going to be taken into the into the footage, but it's just for me it just helped just to have it all written down in a bit, so. But for you, it has to be really specific about you're actually talking specifically about the rider you see at that point. Yeah, in time. yeah. And that's much harder to do. That's that's not as easy as what what I had to do. Yeah. But it's also <laughs> but it's also interesting because you have such a short period of time. So it's like which bit of factoid do you give out? So and also yeah. I was aiming this. I was aiming my commentary almost at my mum. Do you know what I mean? I was aiming it at yeah. someone who's new to women's cycling, who doesn't know that much. So what do you say that would make people go, oh wow? You know, so Katie Hall, this is only her second year full time, you know, full t- as a full time bike rider. She only started it in grad school, whereas um, Amanda Spratt, she was BMX champion at age 10. She's been around for years, but she had some real injury problems. Like, and that was pretty much on the hoof. Like, how do you say, how do you, how do you say something that makes people go, huh, I'd like to know more about her? Yeah, no, and it's also... Um, so on the first day, I started talking about, um, you know, this is a women's wild tour event. And so... These are all professional teams apart from the national team. So of everyone in the race, there's literally two riders that don't ride for professional teams. And they're like, yeah, mm, too detailed. <laughs> yeah, I kept getting that too. <laughs> I'm going to understand the women's world tell thing. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to sound like, like at the same time, I have so much knowledge that I need to try and make this knowledge something that people aren't going to switch off for. But at the same time, it's an important fact, you know, to know that, yeah, there is a national team in the event, but of the national team, four of those riders ride for, or three of those riders ride for protein. So yeah. it's kind of like an important thing to say, to show, to showcase how good women's, uh, the very top of women's cycling is. So, but at the same time, you can't, you know, you can't say women's world tour because then what does that mean? Because then you have to explain what women's world tour is. And yeah. it's like, Okay. <laughs> so I sneak it in there like I'd be like Paul's Dolmans they've won seven out of nine of the Women's World Tour events so yeah. far and they just keep doing it in such interesting ways or whatever it's yeah. I mean that's I mean my mum my mum because I stayed with my mum for like the week before and for you know and after the race and, and for some of the time during the race and she'd come home and she would literally be going but darling I don't understand why they kept crossing these finish lines and I was like well that's the sprint points and the Queen of the Mountains points and she'd be like but darling they didn't actually say what it what it was and I was like I think they said it at the start of the race she said yes but I can't remember and I was like yeah but it's a bit like if imagine if you're doing football commentary which is her sport football if every time a ball was off lot offside you had to explain the offside rule yeah yeah you know or even every time it was on the highlights you know even just once a day because that's what someone else other there's someone on twitter who's saying oh it's also you know you're you're, it's also patronizing and pitching it without any more information i want to know about what gears they're using and stuff which of course we're not going to know from the you know we're not just we're just not going to know that from the from the from the information we have but equally you know, you've only got this tiny window to try and to try and entertain people, haven't you? Yeah, and you have to keep them interested. But equally, you have to keep the people interested that know a lot about the sport. So yeah. it is a really tough one. It's definitely a tough one. And, and like I said, our our bit was a lot easier because 
just by me talking about a rider and them actually happening to be in a break or actually happening to get a result that day, which happened like one of the five days, <laughs> it makes people think, oh, actually, they know what they're talking about. And so you can say something which is more specific to your sport that people that are newbies to the sport might not actually uh, understand. Yeah. Because you've got to cater for everybody. And so, and that, and I, I mean, I still think it was. I mean, it, it must be tough. It must be tough because, you know, particularly for you guys, you actually have to do a lot more talking than we have to do. Yeah, but, you know, me, I don't... Talking itself isn't a problem. It's just talking so it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you... Sarah do again? Yeah, definitely. Damn it. Pardon? Sarah said again. Yeah, definitely. Damn. Oh, I got... That was my that was my note. That was my note on the first... On the second day. My, they took me aside to look, Sarah, you're coming in. And every time you come in, you say yes. And part of that was because Hugh would talk. And then to kind of signal when he was finishing, you know, wrapping up and he was ready for me to come in, he'd turn to me and he'd nod. Right. And, and so I'd be instinctively going yeah because I'm responding to his nod <laughs> it yeah. was like and that was like a really hard thing to like to, to overcome and I'm like okay cool because I tried to take one learning point every day and you know crack that one learning point you know like yeah. like they were just like okay so and and also I think saying yes kind of gave me room to breathe because Hugh knew what he was going to say but I didn't but my bit was because I was generally he was the starting person I was the responsing responding person it's it's like a lot more it's a lot more free form yeah and so the second so like I was really so the day when I was trying to get it right I was just freaking out but the guys in the studio were so so good they had this way of saying that was complete balls or you completely <laughs> fluffed that up or we've got to do that again or or whatever in a way that didn't sound like it at all Thank you know you. what I mean in a way that was just the nicest nicest and so if you'd fluffed up the thing I was worried about is that once I started fluffing I'd get anxious and I'd just fluff more and they just had this way of dealing with me that just completely took that out. They had the most calming, reassuring, yeah, just do that again, you know? You know that fluffing means something else as well, don't you? No. <laughs> that's for another kind of Oh, is that, is that from a different kind of, that's from a different kind of televisual <laughs> in, industry? Yes, yes. I wasn't fluffing like that. Um, I have to say Hugh Porter super generous lovely 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 man yeah really kind really kind and generous do you know what I mean like from the moment I got there he was just nothing but kind and helpful and generous yeah. and giving me tons of hints and really you know just really kind yeah and I was wondering if if, if Ned was like that <laughs> he was actually he was a really nice guy and I've spoken to Ned quite a few times anyway at races and stuff um, but yeah, he was really good, really easy to talk to, like really professional actually. He knows exactly how to write, ask a question and be quite, uh, quite like looks interested in, so it makes you want to talk more and stuff. He's really, really good at it. And he, like I said, he hardly did any takes. We hardly did any takes. And if we had to retake it, it was cause there was something that happened in the background, not, not something we did. So, um, um, yeah, it was good. It was fun. And the, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Run out of things. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Did you get noticed by fans? Did you have fans coming up to you while you were working? I did. I did. It was quite funny because quite a lot come up to Ned and then quite a lot come up to me. And then some of them would say something like, oh, actually, sorry, Ned, it's Helen I want. Or sorry, Helen, it's Ned I want. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> I need to apologise for only wanting one of us. It was absolutely fine. <laughs> 
so, yeah, a lot of people spoke to it. Um, and I, I felt sorry for Mark, who was trying to like move us around to these different places to do do the different stuff because or someone would stop. It was like ferrying a bunch of small children. Someone <laughs> would stop and ask for a, an autograph of Ned, and then you'd do like ten steps further, and someone would be like, "Oh, I think I have a photo," and then you'd be like ten steps further, and like it was it was funny though, and it was really different to see a different perspective and to you know people will never tell you if they don't like you that's not that's not how how people are but a lot of people just random when i was in chesterfield this random guy um said oh i saw you on the tv last night and i was like yeah and he goes oh you're the girl that's doing the commentary i said yeah and he's like oh i just came out so he was a postman and he was he had to do his round early because of the um shutting them off shutting out off his round in chesterfield basically and so he was he'd finished work and he was just going to watch the finish and he was a young guy, like 30, 35, and uh, it was just chatting away to me for like 10 minutes, like like we were best buddies. And it was really nice of him to say that, because he didn't have to say that. He didn't know who I was. You know, he didn't know anything about me, other than that he'd saw me on TV doing the commentary the night before. So That's so, so cool. That, that was nice. That was really nice. And I mean, people are lovely, aren't they? I mean, people, people are... And, and like I say, no one's going to tell you to your face that they don't like you. Yeah. So, and the the kind of people that are on my social media reach kind of uh they're they're nice people basically <laughs> so so they're not going to troll me but equally you know if if someone didn't like what you do they just don't have to say anything at all they don't have to mention it you know I'm not it's yeah. not like I'm going up and asking how am I doing and so it was nice when people did say a lot yeah. of people did yeah, I had to. I was asking. I was asking some of my friends and having to say, "Look, can you give me constructive feedback? Anything I can improve?" Please remember, I went to art school. I can cope with harsh criticism. You know, I, I won't see. It. I won't be offended or angry. I genuinely want to improve. And then they'd be like, "Oh, well, maybe this, maybe that." And that was like, "Thank you, thank you," because I just, you know, because I think that's the other interesting thing is you don't get that much. I wasn't getting that much feedback apart from, "Oh, yeah, you're doing really well," which is, I don't know, which I don't know. Maybe I'm just. Maybe I'm just. Maybe that's more about my psychology. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you put yourself in this position if you want to do this. This was the first time for me just to see if I was any good at it and to see if I liked it and to see if it was something of interest to me. And uh, because uh, I have a two-year contract for the next two years, but equally, I am getting older and it is getting harder to, to get to the same level of fitness. And I'm nowhere near giving up yet. You know, the gym session I did this afternoon, there's no way I'm giving up. <laughs> but, like... Equally, it's good to know what you can do in the future. And, and my summers aren't are basically training. They're not that full of racing anymore. So it's something that I could I could be interested in. And it's something that I really genuinely enjoyed doing. And it was different. And it was not hard, but long days. And you can't do the training. So it does affect your training in a certain way. But if you plan it in advance, it's actually fine to do five days of racing, a five, a five day race. So... I kind of wanted to, you know, uh, know what it was like and, and, and understand it. And if I wanted to do it again, you know you're putting yourself in a position where you are open to criticism because, you know, you're doing this publicly. It's There's yeah. no commentator in the world that isn't open to criticism. So I think in my personality, I you don't really get that criticism that much in bike racing because your results speak for themselves. You don't, you know, you don't need... Your personality to impress people, yeah, or your, the way you talk, or, or the way that you you act to impress people so much. But um, whereas in, in commentating, obviously, it's just what you say. It's literally what you say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how you say it, how you say it is just as important. 
Yeah. Were you scared? Because cause when I when I was asked to do it, I would. I mean, I I did my first common tracing job last year on TV as for the um you know for the for Ride London, but that was the international feed. And I've been doing kind of homemade commentary last year and this year for races where there's a stream that's in another language. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's just my fans. People aren't going to watch that unless they follow me, you know, aren't going to listen to yeah. that unless they follow me anyway. And they all know, you know, they all know it's like it's not the most serious thing in the world. They know what to expect. Yeah. And I was supposed to be doing Yorkshire, Tour de Yorkshire, but of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Tour de Yorkshire, wonderful. But so I did about 20 minutes at the start and 20 minutes at the finish. But this was really... I really wanted to put my money where my mouth is. You know, I've had a lot of opinions about TV commentary for the years. And I'm like, I really, really want to put my money where my mouth is. And that includes that if I fail, do you know what I mean? Taking it if I fail. Don't take the, don't take the, don't take the, don't take the praise if you can't take the criticism. Yeah. And. Sorry. So I never really doubted it until like the week before when I just freaked out for like this solid week, solid week. Shit. have Have I taken on too much? But. What, but but what was it like for you? Like it when they asked you, did you just go hell yes, or did you have to think yeah. about it? No, I was like hell yeah, I'm out for that. That sounds like fun, and it, it's different for me because ultimately I'm a professional cyclist, and I get paid to ride my bike, and so if I'm terrible at what I did that last week, then it just means I don't get another go. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing. No one dies. No puppies are killed. That kind of thing. So for me. And answering questions is what I naturally do. It's not something which is difficult to me. And the guys said, you know, some people are terrible at answering questions. And I said, yeah, but I'm terrible at asking them, you know. <laughs> I could talk about anything all day long if you ask me a question. But I'm not great at actually asking the original questions. So for me, it was actually quite – I was never nervous, really, about it. And, and the guys are really relaxing. And, Ned, like I said, Ned was amazing. He was – yeah, he asked the right questions. We'd talk about what – what information we wanted to come across with, what what certain thing we wanted to like discuss at that point, um, and then you know we'd pass off that information, and he'd ask a question that would mean that I could get all that in basically. Oh, that's um, nice. So it it was really good, and, and so like on the last day when we talked about Alice Barnes and Hannah Barnes, and you know he asked questions specifically so that I could say yeah, you know they've had a great race, and you have to remember where both of them have come from and what they're doing and they're both extreme talents and all those things. And so you, you know, it, and, it, and also he'd ask it in a way that, that I could get in at the same time. Yeah. You know, Alice Barnes is, is a fantastic young talent, but she is only 18 and these are the very best road riders in the world. Yeah. And so not only are you promoting a British rider, but you're also promoting the fact that this sport is exciting and this sport is, is something that's amazing and going places and, you know, people need to keep watching. And so, you're kind of bringing in two things into one thing because Ned asks the right question that you can give the right answer to. So. Yeah, yeah. He's so good. I mean, it's so he's so he's so interesting and good. My mum is in love with Ned. My mum's also thought that Hugh was a 45-year-old. My mum's like, How's, how old is Hugh? He sounds 45. He sounds quite dishy. He's like, oh, no, no, no. He's in his late 70s. And this is how many world championships he's won. And this is, you know, this, Hugh, is, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is how long he's been around. No, no, no. He's, he's definitely, he's definitely not. He's definitely yeah. not. He's definitely not my age, mum. <laughs> And it's, yeah, it was, it was, that was funny. I mean, it's funny, I guess, because, you know, because my family have nothing, no idea about cycling. You know, maybe yeah. my dad, my dad watches the, my dad started watching men's racing once I, once I got into it so that he could compete with me. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, my family have no clue. So and my friends have no clue. And my, you know, my, my real life friends have no clue. So that was, 
that was interesting to see if you could if you could you know obviously your mum wants to love you and thinks and your you know one's mum thinks one's good at things but yeah it was a kind of odd it was kind of odd cool so um definitely Stephanie told me directly said you've got to stop saying yeah definitely yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) did you just find that once you said that you started saying it every single moment no no I I made sure I only said it like once per thing and I had a bet with Stu and Sharon that I could get Matrix Fitness into the thing and I managed to get in the very last line on the very last day. <laughs> oh, I was gutted. I really, really wanted to big up. I really wanted to big up on the well, Stoke on Trent day. I wanted to talk about John Johnson and his yeah, me too. Cycling and because he came to Stoke on Trent, and that's basically how the women's tour started yeah. because of John's involvement and uh, and the Matrix Fitnesses and all of that. And they're like, "Well, you can't really do that because that's commercial." And it's like, "Well." It isn't, it isn't. It's actually, you know, women's cycling is more of a story than just putting money in. He didn't just put money in, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And it's not that he just put money into a team as well. He put money into an event, so he promoted an event, but he also made sure that there was television with that event, and because of that television, it's led to more television, and so on and so forth. And so it was really like, there's some things that, you know, if you're live, you can actually get away with saying. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, because we, we, we just didn't even have the time to do that. Because I wanted, because I'd said that was, because I'd say, I'd say at the start, this is what I want to get in. And, and um, you know, and and uh, there were there were things that we were told were really important to the race to get in. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's really yeah, important way, to, yeah. to, 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 to talk about the crowds on the hill in Northamptonshire or whatever. And I could get, I think I got in that Stoke was the first place that Sweet Spot ran a race in yeah. 2010. But, Anyway, I'm just going to interview. I'd already set up an interview with John Johnson um, for a couple of weeks' time. Anyway, so fuck it, I'll just do it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, John's not. John's not into that. You know, he's not. He doesn't do it for the yeah uh, for the self gratification and all that stuff, self praise. But equally, you know, arguably in the UK, John Johnson is one of the reasons that women's cycling is is so strong and and. Yeah because of his involvement, because of his belief, because of his uh, ethos in which it's like, well, this is quite an exciting thing. I love cycling. I can only really afford to get into women's cycling. This was 10 years ago. You know, uh, Nicole's Vision 1's 2009. Yeah. 2009. Like, you know, I, I can... He already supported uh, Stoke-on-Trent Stoke women's football team. Um, and so he was like, ah, you know, women's cycling's cool. We're going with that. And... and because of his ambition and his uh, philosophy and his ideas, he's actually really invested a lot in women's cycling and, and helped grow it so well in the UK. So that now there's there's loads of televised races on in the UK. And, and off the back of it, you know, company like Sweet Sport is like, well, maybe, you know, there is, there's a way to make money in it. And then Guy coming along and is pushing it and really using what he's good at to get really big companies involved as well. And then promote the women's tour and then create this this fantastic event. But it's people like John Johnson that are the the like the fire maybe yeah 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 because could... like the fire that creates what yeah. we have on because they're could... as important as as Sweet Spot. Yeah, and you draw that line between the first race in Stoke on Trent and then working with Sweet Spot, and especially with John putting the money in towards the television. I mean, that's genius because that's not stuff which is going to get his company. You know, that's not the stuff where you can, you know, that in terms of return on investment, that's a longer that's a longer term deal, isn't it? And well, it's also sponsoring other. It's also kind of promoting other people. But 
damn it that's i think you know you can see that line between john putting the money in and sweet spot going okay then and and then and now sweet spot running this race and then when you see the kind of uh, you know, arms war between the Tour de Yorkshire and Ride London in terms of who yeah. can provide the biggest prize pot and stuff, yeah. and and both of them kind of you know wanting you know it, it, that's 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 a nice that's a nice thing, isn't it? That's a, a fantastic thing, and I always have genuinely believed that the reason why women's cycling will grow is because people do it as their job, and Sweet Spot need to make money out of women's cycling in order for them to to continue doing it. Yeah, but it's not a bad thing because. Because not only do they have to make money, they have to be as professional as possible so they can make money. Oh, it has to be pro. It has to be pro. It's like, you know, it's it's like it, it's got to be pro and it's got to be kind of like, you know, the days of it being kind of happy amateur, I think, yeah. are in the past. I just, you know, it's. I mean, I think it's fine to be there for development and stuff. But yeah, it's 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 so good. And yeah, and it's nice. And what I like is the range as well. Like you can see a small American race, for example, getting its own kind of live streaming that's not particular, you know, that, that that's kind of innovative and using technology in really interesting ways and exciting. Or you can see like the, um, you know, the very very cheap live streaming of a Lotto Cycling Cup race. But on the yeah. other hand, you have this Century TV, Aviva Women's Tour highlights that are just like, you know, like like yeah, like yeah, that's good. That's good quality. And you see this year. I mean, I have to get cyclocrossing because that's what I do. The, uh, <laughs> you can see this year because Galazzo were able to get the television, uh, 24 races live on television. This year we were able to actually, at the end of the series, their, their B-Post Bank trophy, they were renewing the sponsorship. And instead of just having one sponsor for the entire race, they were able to sell the women's side for its own sponsor, which is now Isobork, which is an ice cream. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Perfect for cyclocross. Um, yeah, and so they actually managed to to sell us to another sponsor. So not only does the there's there more money coming into the sport, but they're great. They're happy to promote us further because it's like, well, if I can make money off them, why why wouldn't I? And yeah, and so I I genuinely think that's the way you grow the sport is that you grow it in a way where people want to be to make it their business, and and when it's business, it's professional and. Also, that brings more money in and it drives more money in, into everything in sports. So. Yeah. Can I just have, because I need to let you go, but I do yeah. want to just congratulate you, by the way, in speaking of cyclocross and cyclocross television, because I know that you worked really hard behind the scenes to get some of that televised. And last season was just extraordinary. Yeah, like, it was you started they started off with the um with the if, for people who don't know they started off with a beep they've three big series in cyclocross the b post pan trophy the super prestige and the world cup and the world cups have been being streamed and then because of helen's work i would say they streamed the bay post bank trophy but because they saw the stats of people watching and this is the stats just watching off of sports so this isn't even the like dodgy stream international stats they opened up the channel, they opened it up, unjury-restricted, and they started showing more races yeah. and just picking up more and more and more races because, because again, sport, um, sports saw it as not like something you do out of charity, but something that could bring in yeah. serious viewing, serious important, important viewing figures. So we were having viewing figures around 530 to 580,000 views yeah. for our, our races compared to the men's that were like six to seven thousand so uh hundred thousand yeah. so it was like two hundred thousand difference but equally um that's huge viewing figures you know on on new year's day the men's race reached one million for the first time ever and watching a cross race 
And the oh. women had 680,000. Oh, my God. Um, that was 63% of the market share. So 63% of people watching TV in the north of Belgium only, because this doesn't include the south of Belgium, the, the French-speaking part. So only in the, the Flams-speaking part of Belgium, there were 63% of those people watched our bike race. And they do not care if you're a man or woman. They love cross, they think it's exciting, and they just love watching it. And because of that, you know, it was a B-Post Trophy one, which is now Isobork Trophy for the women. They can sell us, and it's just... To me, it's just fantastic. And, and, you know, everybody I spoke to who spoke to me out and random people I didn't know that would stop me in the supermarket and say, I saw you on TV or something. And a lot of them would just say, yeah, you know, it's like, it's at the right time of day, you know, it's just around lunchtime when your race is on. <laughs> and we'd sit and have lunch, watch the race. It's, it's exciting. So we'd watch to the end and then we'd record the men's because we had to go do something in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did that. Like that. That was, my, that was my life. That was my life because, you know, it's much easier to watch your race and then go out and enjoy the rest of the sunshine or whatever and then and then, and then then catch the men's later. How <laughs> much sunshine, but yeah. It's, uh... And I loved, I loved Renard Scott, Schott, I can't say his name, sorry. Renard right. Scotter from Wheelerman from, from um, Sportser yeah. sharing the viewing figures publicly as well. Because really I think the first one was about 350,000, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it just grew and grew and grew. It was, it was really... But even that, even 300,000 was significant enough that, because if you think, um, like a tour series uh, on ITV4 gets about 50,000 views. Yeah. And there are how many million people in England? Yeah. Where only like 6 million people in the whole of Belgium, I think. <laughs> it might be like 6 million in Flanders, but there's still like, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of people and all of these people were watching, you know, so that, you know, that's really cool. And that's, and it, it's exciting that when you put, it's mainstream it's much harder to compare itv4 figures with yeah. that it's mainstream it's like what comparing bbc you know it's yeah. it's on people it's on in people's tv it's like doctor who or something isn't it or yeah, football or something my parents my parents-in-law bbc is the channel you have on you know it's yeah. the default channel so um and spores is the default channel in belgium but equally people still watch it and they still tune in the next time because they're like oh yeah women's cycling women's cross that's cool yeah, and so they tune in the next time, and they tune in the next time, and so you know it's it's cool. And when when you go to the gym, and the guy says, "Oh, I saw you," <laughs> he said, "I saw you. Uh, you were having a, a little little incident with the uh, with the little girl and uh, the little Belgian girl." And I was like, "Yeah, that's Jolene." And he's like, "Yeah, I'll teach you some gym exercises to make your elbows pointier." <laughs> <laughs> did you oh, okay cool. I mean, it's only been one season so far and obviously there's the there's the big the change that you can see you're talking about people recognizing you at the gym you're talking about um you know the selling the selling the women's series a separate thing are there any other changes that just having tv for one season has made to your sport do you think i think it raises the profile um more i think it raises um the concept that you know, cross is more powerful than they think it is. Um, mm. And I think, I think it's still hard to convince people. I don't think it's hard to convince a Belgian that women's cross is exciting. I really don't. I think they got that, mm. you know. Um, and women's cross is exciting and it's exciting because it's different to the men. The men yeah. have a lot of everything. The women, it's a lot more about what you can and can't do, you know, in Spa. Because I could ride that last little bit of hill that Nikki couldn't, I got 10 metres that made up mean I won the race. That was the only reason I won that race. So it's like, you know, that's what makes our, our races a bit more 
really different but just as exciting and so we don't need to convince Belgians that it's good and they want to watch it they just want to watch it it's it's crass but I think convincing the people that um that govern the sport I think is a lot harder and I think that's something that needs they they basically need to live in Belgium for three months and and know what it's like really to to appreciate what yeah appreciate what it is like for from a woman coming from a woman's point of view to to where we're at now compared to where we were at 10 years ago yeah yeah but how quickly we need to we need to jump on that bandwagon and we need to use that and that momentum and we need to do the changes now because this is the best chance to do them this is the best opportunity to do them and this is when the last the least people can argue and say well what's the point because women's cycling is not making money and when actually it is and yeah. actually viewing figures are huge and actually you know we deserve 50 minutes because why would Sporza not why would Galazzo not want to sell another 10 minutes of racing yeah 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 <laughs> you know it's like guys do it now but yeah and it's the same with the road racing i mean i guess what sweet spot have done is you know up to last year if you had a women's stage race it had to have on average each stage when it averaged overall each stage had to be 100 kilometers and less yeah and sweet spot got that change for world tour races to 120 kilometers and they got extra permission to have that 140 kilometer stage and to go beyond it now I, on the one hand, it's because the women's tour is, you cannot argue with the women's tour. You can't argue with the Aviva women's tour. They've just got the perfect, perfect scenario. But, you know, it's like it's working, you know, working off the back of that. We need more changes. And and we also then need to have the kind of development side, you know, the development side kind of beefed up and the top riders are there, but we need to kind of, you know, have the development side be to be beefed up. We need to kind of have, you know, we need to have, none of this nonsense where riders aren't paid we need to have you know paid contracted wages we need to have all sorts of things like that and it's it's interesting because you're right i feel like yeah this is we've got the evidence now and they need to move fast so that we can capitalize on it and make it more interesting because that's the other thing is people kind of come to you go hey sarah why is this happening why is it short to stage you're like it just is yeah and they're like huh And, and and all of that stuff just needs to needs to go you know that needs to go it's yeah anyway <sighs> what's next for you what's 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 your plans where where will um, we see you uh my first racing block is in belgium in a couple of weeks um and then is that road f- yeah and then my first um objective of the season will be iowa world cup oh so- yeah yeah iowa world cup that's exciting yeah it's really cool it's a really cool course there whatever they do with it they'll they'll make a really nice course yeah and then so you're doing a usa block again yeah yeah definitely and what are your and what are your ambitions both on the bike because i know you do the work with uci commission and you're very ambitious for the sport in terms of what happens so your ambitions for the season on the bike and off the bike on the bike win lots (laughs) off the bike (sighs) (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) i don't really have any comment on that right now okay well we'll we'll have to wait and see because i know you you'll have some kind of terrifying some some kind of mega announcement and probably about oh i don't know october or something and i'll just be like oh my god helen wyman you've done it again (laughs) no there are some changes to come but they're nothing of any significance this year it's 
You have to wait another year for anything. Okay. That's anything. Uh, and uh, it's a little more than frustrating. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much further I can take it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. But I just remember how you've done things like how you made the Koppenberg Cross equal prize money happen yeah. and things like that. So I have I have faith in you, Helen. <laughs> and actually, even if you did if you did step back, if you did think that it's time for you to step back, that's cool because you've achieved so much and should be very, very proud. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I don't... I, I thought maybe a political route is something I'd like in the future when I retire, but I don't know that I can... I don't know that I have the personality to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm a positive person and I think I am driven and I think I want to do well and I want to achieve things for other people as well as when I'm racing, I'm obviously selfish as what bike riders are, but when you're not racing, you want to change, change the world. You know, you want to leave a lasting impression, but, I don't know if I'm necessarily cut out for politics and having done this TV stuff, I actually really, really enjoyed that. And maybe that's where my future lies. Oh my God. Helen Wyman doing the comments, doing the English commentary for the live world feeds of bike rate of cyclocross races. It's not, you know, we're not, we're not going to go there. I want that so much. (laughs) It's something that actually really is quite interesting. So, and, and, I like, like I said, I've done a lot for Women's Cross, and I'm really proud of what I've achieved. And I, I have to remind myself that it is political, and so it takes forever. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know how much frustration and knockbacks and not moving forward at the rate that I want to move forward. Yeah. Not necessarily not moving forward because the sport is moving forward, but to not move at the rate that I want, maybe I'm just impatient. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I think I think you're rightly so. Rightly so. Um, you know, it's not so much a bad thing. It's just it just is what it is. Anyway, well, thank you so much for your time. Of course, <laughs> we will be cheering and cheering for you. You are awesome on TV, and I hope to see. You too. You I hope too. I hope to see so much more of you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Okay. Thanks. Bye.